It was because of Richard that Montreal was turned inside out on March 17, 1955. League president Clarence Campbell had suspended Richard from the Stanley Cup series for striking an official, and the Montreal fans were outraged. Campbell, who was no coward, came to the game as though nothing had happened. This was a cup match, but to the fans, the game was secondary to their feud with Campbell. Before long, all the surrounding spectators had fled, leaving the brave Campbells alone to face the angry fans. Even when homemade bombs interrupted the action, the league president remained in his seat. At last, the police insisted on escorting the couple out of the arena, but that didn't stop the rioting. It was one of the wildest uprisings in sports history. Police arrested 74. 25 others were treated in hospitals for injuries, including Campbell himself. Rhubarb's on ice, they're old stuff. But you see king-size riots like this only once in a lifetime. Welcome to another edition of the Sports Lunatics. Who are the Sports Lunatics? Well, we are just two regular guys who love sports history. I'm Sean Levine. And I'm Howie Mooney. Do not forget to check out the Sports Lunatics show on barnburner.ca, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and over 120 other platforms. Please give us a like, a share, or check us out at Sports Lunatics on Twitter, where you can leave us a comment or suggest a show idea. We are going to look at events from this week, 65 years ago. So in 1955, the week of St. Patrick's Day, there was a lot of bad things happening in the National Hockey League that resulted into one of the most infamous nights in NHL history on St. Patrick's Day, 1955. You're right, Sean, uh, for a lot of people, and for everybody, actually. March 17th is St. Patrick's Day all around the world. But uh, for us in Canada, and it's a, an anniversary, a grim anniversary. Canada is a nation of provinces and of regions. Regions that are separated by others, or from others, by geography, by culture, by language. And often the only thing that unites us as a country is hockey. Sometimes, though, that feeling can become so intense and so thorough that it becomes almost negative and angry. And that's what happened on March 17th, 1955. Now, we heard a newsreel off the top of the show that described the beginning of what happened that night when then NHL President Clarence Campbell uh, showed up at the forum Everybody warned him not to go, and he went. But we're going to take you back to a few days before that to set up how we got to that night. You're right. That The riot did not occur in a vacuum. It, uh, it occurred because of a series of events that had happened actually through months and even years uh, leading up to this. When you looked at Quebec in the 1950s, much of the industry, much of the commerce, much of the natural resources in the province were owned by English Canadians or Americans. And in fact, Francophone, Cana Francophone Quebecois, Francophone Quebecers 
were the lowest paid demographic in the province, in their own province. The money was in the hands of the English, the English Canadians, the uh, Americans. They were the gentry. In fact, when you look at games in the old forum, there were a fenced off section. The, the rich people were fenced away from the poor people, from the poor Quebecois people. Uh, in the movie The Rocket, it's uh, pretty dramatic how they, they picture, they depicted that. You have the, the French-Canadian people buying tickets separated by a fence. I was almost looking for Thurston Howell and Lovey in there saying, good heavens, Lovey. Well, let's bring it back right to the beginning. So okay. before there was Sidney Crosby, oh. before there was Mario Lemieux, before there was Wayne Gretzky, there was Maurice the Rocket Richard. Really, the Rocket and Gordy played at the same time. In fact, we're gonna go, we're gonna talk about this later. But Detroit and Montreal, Gordy and the Rocket met in that. Well, they didn't meet because Rocket was suspended. But Montreal and Detroit met in the Stanley Cup final a couple of weeks after this happened. But we'll talk about that afterwards. But in Quebec, oh, Maurice the Rocket Richard, he was the biggest hockey star. And you could argue still to this day is the biggest hockey icon that ever played for the Montreal Canadiens. He was more than just a hockey player. He was the people of Quebec. And the Quebec, the people of Quebec were him. The people of Quebec saw themselves as second-class citizens because of what I talked about earlier. The way that the income was distributed, the way that the, the control of the money uh, and, and the control of business was done in Quebec was distributed. The people of Quebec, the Francophone people of Quebec, saw themselves as second-class citizens. They saw Rocket, they saw in Rocket Richard themselves, and they saw in Rocket Richard, Francophone Quebecois in an English league, who not only had to battle the other teams, he had to battle the English referees, he had to battle the English hierarchy in the league, and he was fighting basically for them, and that's how they saw him, and that's how they elevated him in their minds, in their hearts, and basically in their, in their whole culture. So this would have been the final week of the regular season in 1955 because, again, the schedule's much shorter. There were only six teams in the league at that point. And Rocket Richard was going for his very first NHL scoring title. You're right. He had been a tremendous player. His statistics will show that. But up until then, he had never won a scoring championship and he was that close. He was that close. But on March 13th, in a game against the Boston Bruins, he and Hal Laco got into a high-sticking match with each other. Laco cut Richard's face. Richard was incensed. He went back after Laco, ended up breaking his stick over Laco's back. The linesman who tried to separate them did separate them for a moment, uh, but Richard pushed one linesman away and went back at Laco. The linesman went back at Richard. Richard turned around and cold-cocked him in the head, knocked him out, and then went back at Laco, and the whole thing was just a total melee. It was a gong show. All hell broke loose. So Richard was kicked out of the game. He was. He was kicked out of the game. Laco got a penalty for the high stick and a 10-minute misconduct. He was allowed to stay in the game. But Richard was kicked out of the game. There was a hearing a couple of days later on the 16th. Laco, or sorry, Richard tried to claim that he thought that the linesman trying to pull him off was a Boston Bruins player. That's why he punched him. Clarence Campbell would have none of it. Now, a big part of that is because three months earlier, in December of 1954, Richard 
was suspended for slapping a linesman in the face. Some accounts say he punched him in the face. He was suspended for that as well. So in Campbell's mind, Richard was a repeat offender. There was no uh, Department of Player Safety back then. All hearings went through the commissioner. So Richard was there at the, at the hearing. Laco was there at the hearing. Uh, assistant GM Kenny Reardon for the Canadians was there at the hearing. The general manager of the Boston Bruins was there at the hearing, as were the referees and uh, Campbell himself. So they have this hearing, and Clarence Campbell's determination was... Oh, he wrote a 1,200-word, I guess it was an essay, but basically he discounted everything that Richard said. He uh, upheld, he, he suspended him for the rest of the season, which was a handful of games, and the playoffs. Now, a lot of people in the league, Ted Lindsay thought that Richard would get suspended until the middle of the next season. The Boston Bruins general manager wanted uh, Richard to be suspended for life. There were people throughout the league that thought Richard got off kind of easy. But in Quebec, the people who saw Richard as the extension of themselves were incensed. They saw their francophone superstar as being picked on by the Anglo commissioner, the Anglo league, and basically things started to get angry and get intense. So the ultimate decision was? He was gone. For the rest of that season? For the rest of the, of the 1954-55 season, yes. So I believe that was two games? There were two games left. Now, the next game for Montreal was the Saturday night, the 17th. Campbell said that he would go. There were people, like you said earlier, that begged him not to go. Uh, But he went. He didn't show up before the game. He showed up in the uh, middle of the first period, later in the first period. His presence there was seen as a troll job on the Montreal fans, the people of Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens, and those people were angry. There was a group... Uh, outside in the park, across the street from the Forum, about 6,000 people, all carrying signs, saying, Vive Richard, long live Richard, and uh, down with Campbell. Uh, they said, uh, you know, there were, and there was also a group inside the arena trying to push their way into the entrance, but they were held back by police. That did not make them very happy. We pick up the story now. Campbell enters in the uh, first period. People are booing him. They're hissing at him. They're taking whatever food items they have in their hands and they're throwing them at him. He sits in his seat. And then we heard in that audio, that spectacular audio that you played at the top, uh, how it all went down. I was able to watch the newsreel footage of that game. And it's about three and a half minutes. You can find it on YouTube. As soon as he was led to a seat, he sits down and you can just see the venom immediately happened right around his because he sat in the crowd it wasn't like there was a press no there was no private boxes no back private then. boxes no press boxes up uh, you know where the commissioner sits he sat amongst the people yes and there was a guy there was one guy who tricked i guess police there were police around campbell yes it was. wasn't exactly the way that uh, there was depicted in the audio but i love that audio there was a guy who tricked the police into thinking that he was a friend of campbell's and he wanted to go shake his hand and so he got through, he went up to Campbell. He got right up to yes, him. Yes, went to shake his hand and then slapped him in the face, punched him in the face. And as police were taking him away, he's trying to kick him. It was it was a, a, just a, an embodiment of the feeling of the people in Montreal at that time. Okay, this is how bad it got. There were homemade bombs 
that actually went off in the forum near where Campbell sat. Now, I will give him credit because he had big cojones because he literally didn't flinch. Right. And he sat there. There were people begging him to leave and he refused to leave. He saw the opportunity to leave as showing cowardice. And he didn't want to show cowardice. He wanted to show that he is there. He's in charge. Uh, he felt that if he didn't show up, he would been he would have looked like a chicken, and so that's why he went. His appearance there, basically, it sparked the whole keg, keg, powder keg. And after the bombs went off, I think there were one or two that went off. Then he was getting pelted by everything. Yeah, there were people throwing hats, bought whatever they could find. They were throwing them at him, and he was with, you know, a female employee. Well, he, they said in the one report that I read, he was with three secretaries, in brackets, one of whom he would later marry. I honestly think if they weren't with him, he likely would have tried to stay, because they were getting pelted Yeah, as well. And you see in the footage that he was finally escorted out. Well, he went down to the Forum Clinic, and at that point, at the end of the first period, it was 4-1 to one for Detroit... That game was a showdown for the two top teams in the league. It was 4-1 to one for Detroit, and the game was called at that point. It's over. It's done. The game is forfeited to Detroit. And that those two points were the difference between Detroit and Montreal in terms of how the standings finished, determining that Detroit would get uh, home ice advantage through the playoffs. And it ended up being 4-3 to three Detroit in the, uh, semi, in the Stanley Cup Final Series. Richard... If Richard had been there, who knows what would have happened. Because the following year, and we'll get into this later, the aftermath, Montreal won the Stanley Cup that year and the four years after that as well. So they won five in a row. Had they had Richard for that series and that playoff, it could have been six in a row. Incredible. The Rocket never won the scoring title. Never in his career, ever, ever. Because he got passed. Yep. In those final couple well, of games. In the last game of the season, Bernie Jeffreyon passed him in points, and the forum, the Habs fans, booed him. Incredibly. And Boom Boom Jeffron is one of the greatest Habs to ever play. He is. But after that night, or after that night, there were people that had opinions on Campbell. The mayor of Montreal, Jean Drapeau, basically said, Campbell started the whole riot by attending. Now, what happened after that, the fans went angrily intensely crazy they destroyed they broke windows in the forum they started breaking windows in surrounding businesses in a five block radius there was damage to property to homes to uh, businesses one jewelry store though they they looted it uh, and uh, took at the time sixty seven thousand dollars worth of jewelry which today in today's dollars would probably be a million but uh, it was just it was ugly, ugly, ugly. They said 74 arrests in that audio, uh, and I've seen different reports. I've, I've seen 41, but I've seen at least 100 arrests as well, and, and we don't know whether that was that night or whether that was in total, but uh, it was just bedlam. Montreal loses? Yes. Would you say his reputation got tainted? Uh, no, I would not say it got tainted. I would think that this made his reputation. It made his reputation as a Quebecois icon, it made his reputation as uh, a, a, it forever, forever, the symbol 
of hockey in Quebec. His number nine is is sacred. There was you saw the book, the hockey sweater. You've, we've all seen it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you can go on on YouTube and you can watch the the little short video uh, of the hockey sweater. It's all about a little boy in Quebec who uh, wants uh, his mother to order him a, a Maurice Richard jersey. Well, she orders it from the Eaton Company, Monsieur Eaton, and. Uh, Monsieur Eaton sends them a Toronto Maple Leaf sweater. Oh, no. And the boy is crushed. He is crushed. He has to... And his mother says, Monsieur Eaton must have meant for us to have this sweater. You will wear the Toronto Maple Leaf sweater. And he says, I cannot wear the Toronto Maple Leaf sweater. He says, every night uh, before I went to bed, I would pray that a thousand moths would come and eat my Toronto Maple Leaf sweater. But his mother made him wear the Toronto Maple Leaf sweater. And he he wore it to the outdoor rink where the the, uh, curé, the priest, was the referee. It was five Maurice Richards against five other Maurice Richards, and he had his Toronto Maple Leaf sweater on, and he wasn't allowed to play until the end when they needed somebody to play. And as soon as he got on the ice, the priest called a penalty on him, and he threw his stick on the ice, and he said, This is persecution! And it was the way that Quebecois saw themselves in Canada... They, they saw themselves in North America as this little island of, of, uh, of, of francophones in this massive uh, sea of, uh, of English. And they saw themselves as being persecuted, but the way that the little boy was persecuted for wearing his Toronto Maple Leafs jersey was the way that they saw themselves in, in the whole continent of North America. Now, in the aftermath of the riot, Dick Irvin, who was the coach of the Montreal Canadiens, was fired at the end of the year. One of the reasons that Frank Selke said that uh, he was being let go was because of the way he had handled Maurice Richard. He said, you know, he had kind of coddled him and, 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 and pushed him into being as angry as he was. Now, one of the things I forgot to mention, and I wanted to mention this because it's very important, uh, the year before, the season before, 1954, uh, Boom Boom Jeffrey on got suspended. And Maurice Richard had a Sunday column in uh, one of the newspapers, a French newspaper, in which he expressed his anger at Clarence Campbell and called him a dictator. Campbell was incensed by that, and he demanded that Richard retract his words, and he also demanded that he never again write that column. Now, I'm sure it was ghostwritten for him. It doesn't matter. It had his byline at the top. That did not get to appear anymore in the paper. Quebecers saw this as an act of les maudits anglais, the goddamned English, mm. uh, against us, against the, we Quebecers. This is how it all started. Uh, and that, that whole roiling, the, the boi- rolling boil of water, of, of, of uh, emotion in the Quebec people. When the, uh, after the riot, you had, of course, the Habs went on, Toe Blakewood became the coach and they went on to win five Stanley Cups in a row. But, this riot was seen by many as the beginning or the, the I guess not the beginning because the, the feeling of resentment among uh, Quebecois had been building for a long time. But it was it kind of put a, a, a moment and a face on uh, their Quebec insurgents and their wish to be accepted as real people and not as a second class society. Uh, you've always had two solitudes in this country, the English and the French, but the French wanted now to be, they demanded to be seen as equals. 
you had the Quiet Revolution in the 60s, which was kind of begun by this whole process. You had the rise of Quebec uh, nationalism. You had the FLQ, the Front de Libération de Québec, the, uh, the uh, Quebec Liberation Front. Uh, and in 1970, the FLQ was responsible for some uh, murdering of some uh, provincial liberal uh, cabinet minister and also James Cross, who was the high commissioner uh, to England. They didn't murder him, but they kidnapped him and kept him for a while. And that whole, I remember I was 10 years old at the time of that crisis in 1970, and the whole country was just glued to their TVs to see any news of what was going on with James Cross and Pierre Laporte, the man they eventually killed. They, he was found in the trunk of a car. Then you had the separatism movement that, that started to grow in the 70s. René Lévesque uh, became the head of the Parti Québécois. Uh, he, his Parti Québécois, the separatist party in the province of Quebec, took power in 1976. You had the Bloc Québécois come in in the 80s. You had uh, the whole rise of everything, this Quebec nationalism, this waves and waves and waves of Quebec nationalism. We had referendums to see if Quebec was going to separate in the early 80s and in 95. And to this day, this, this whole uh, tide of Quebec nationalism is stayed with us and stayed with us. You know, 65 years later, it's still with us. Now, we don't have the fear of a militaristic or, or uh, terroristic group like the FLQ. We don't have the fear necessarily that Quebec wants to separate this very minute. It's in the minds of some people in Quebec, but it's, it's also in the minds of some people in Alberta now too. But we don't have that great fear of Quebec separating the way we did in the 70s, the 80s, and into the 90s. But the rise of Quebec nationalism, the, the wish for Quebec nationalism is still uh, alive and well in the province of Quebec. Let's go back to the riot night. Yes. Because one important detail was that when the rioting was going on, Maurice Rocker Richard actually went to a local local radio station. Yes, it actually happened the next day, and he appealed to the people uh, of Montreal to become calm. Calm down. I'm not going to be there, and it's going to hurt me. I wish I was there with the boys. He said, with the boys. He says, but next year I'm going to come back, and we're going to win a cup. And of course they did, and uh, they won a bunch more after that as well. Little did we know, Howie, that maybe that riot actually sparked the greatest dynasty that we've seen in the NHL. Can you imagine, though, if Richard had been able to play in that playoff? I mean, they could have won six in a row. They very well could. For those that are younger, you know you, you know of the Rocket Richard trophy. He was the first man to have 50-50. and 50, Yeah. And you said? He led the league in goal scoring four times, but never led the league in points. And he was about to do that before the suspension. And unfortunately, uh, he wasn't able to get that scoring lead or scoring uh, championship. Bernie Jeffrion got that. Bernie Jeffrion was also the next player after Rocket Richard to get 50 goals in 50 games, and he did it in 1960. And that's the perfect way to end this episode of the Sports Lunatics. I'm Sean Levine. And I'm Howie Mooney. Do not forget to check out the Sports Lunatics show on barburner.ca. Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and over 120 other platforms. Please give us a like, share with your friends or family, or check us out at Sports Lunatics on Twitter, where you can leave us a comment or suggest a show idea. Have a great sports day.